Well, it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 633 for April 9th, 2020, and I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Anthony Lamos. You may have heard me mention Anthony a few times as he had me on as a guest for his Ritual Misery podcast way back in 2016. Anthony is now doing audio production work for Tom Merritt of The Daily Tech News Show. We got talking on a recent episode uh, with Tom and the others about home audio equipment, and he started, and actually Anthony started touting the virtue of mixers. Now, I just mentioned on the NoSillaCast last week that one of my goals is to never, ever, ever have a mixer again, and how I use Audio Hijack <laughs> to avoid owning one. I thought it would be fun to have Anthony come on the show to maybe have a bit of a smackdown on Audio Hijack versus owning a mixer. How's that for a setup, Anthony? That sounds about right. Yeah, that, that's good. <laughs> you, you uh, from what you have written and sent me and photos, you are armed to the teeth and ready to uh, contest my belief that I don't need one, right? Um, you, yes, yes, I definitely believe that you don't need one. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> but there are very valid use cases for other people in other scenarios. So my goal in this is for Anthony to try to explain things to me and me stop him constantly to make him define every single term so that uh, we can have this for the more general audience who doesn't know everything about uh, about audio. Um, but before we dig in too far, give us a little bit of an idea of your background, Anthony, and how did you get into this whole audio thing? Well, I, start, I, I served in the United States Air Force from 95 to 2019. And at the end of my career, well, in 2014, I started podcasting the Ritual Misery podcast that you were a, a part of. 2004? Uh, with my, my friend Kent. Hmm? 2000, oh, 2014. Yes. I thought you said 2004. I started, yeah. hmm? No, <laughs> okay. no. that's uh, you, Your show's been going on much longer than mine ever will. Um, and so in 2014, I started podcasting with Kent as a way to keep in touch with an old friend of mine from high school that we had kind of grown apart from each other. And then in March 2019, things had progressed to where I got an internship at the end of my enlistment with Infinite Gain and So Brilliant, uh, Jenny Josephson and Tom Merritt. And then when my enlistment was finally over, my internship was over. So in 20, September 2019, I formed Audio Aperture Media, my current company. And um, now I, I specialize in audio editing, production, and consultancy. And the other thing that you might need to know about me, because you're probably going to hear it at some point, uh, I live in a nine-person household, wow. so it's always loud here. <laughs> that makes for great audio engineering, right? Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah, I, I actually have lights set up on the floor above me, outside my door, and at the bottom of the staircase coming into the basement, so people know when I'm recording. So, <laughs> so they make more noise when you do that, right? Oh, the, the little ones do, yes. They're like, oh, red light's on. Let's go ahead and scrape the chairs across the floor as much as possible. <laughs> I so. love it. Uh, so what does your company, Audio Aperture Media, do? Do You, uh, you said consulting? Y yes, we help people with uh, getting their podcast off the ground, finding better ways to do their podcast, grow their audience, which is probably my weakest point. I know all the other stuff. It's the audio or the uh, the, the audience interface part that I, I struggle with personally and professionally. Um, but as far as editing podcasts and getting your sound right and getting the sound you need and buying the equipment that you need without overspending, things like that, that's kind of what I'm what I'm in it for. And um, it's a side gig because I have my retirement, my, my uh, veteran's disability, but it makes enough for me to afford my, my toys like the drone I was flying earlier, checking on roof shingles. 
from the windstorm we just had. So it's it's a good good time, good and I really enjoy it. And it's uh, it's really a passion project. That and photography are my two passion projects. So I'm glad I'm making Ooh. money at one of them. <laughs> Lots of fun. Hey, uh, you know, Leo Laporte explained uh, quite simply how to gain a huge audience. He says, first, start with a nationwide radio show. And then start a podcast network. He yeah, says that's yeah, all there is I have, to it. I have so many of those in my back pocket. I just, I, I just need to pick one. You didn't think to do that, you know. <laughs> I, I can help you out here. All right. Yeah. All right. So I had a mixer at one time. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, the wonderful Victor Cahiao convinced me that I could, uh, I could handle this, and he spent hours and hours and hours trying to teach me how to use this thing and basically it was a thing on my desk that i was terrified that in dusting i would move the dials and i would never know how to get sound out of it again uh, i eventually got a hiss coming out of it that i could not find i tried every cable i did everything i could changing out connectors i couldn't and i just got rid of it and i've been using audio hijack ever since so hmm. um we're going to now pretend that I don't know anything about mixers because that's only a smidge beyond the, the truth of it. So describe at a very basic level, like just you're, you're explaining to me, I've never seen one before. What is a mixer for? What problem does so, it solve? So a, a mixer is a hardware interface. It's a piece of, of metal or plastic that sits on a desk somewhere. So it's definitely, it's tangible. It's not a... Uh, you know, ethereal, okay. ethereal like software or anything else. It's a hardware interface that allows multiple inputs from different audio sources to be mixed together at different levels and output as either a combined signal. So all of your audio inputs would come out as a single signal and you could hear all of them at the same time or as separate signals if you wanted to record multi-channels or multiple channels in, the, in a, a digital audio workstation like uh, Audition or Audacity, things like that. And it may or may not include sound effects, uh, and those effects may or may not include the ability to have an effect on each different audio input, or uh, the the overall sound might be affected by the sound effects. And um, by sound effects, you of, mean like the sound of a, a Looney Tunes, but somebody slipped on a bandana peel sound? <laughs> no, I'm, I mean more like uh, if you wanted to add more bass to your voice, or if you wanted to have. Uh, a slight echo or reverb, you know, something like okay. that, that the, the sound quality itself can change with the sound effects, not just adding sounds. Okay. Okay. This isn't the if guy you want to do sound... so show, show. So uh, that's why we're going to talk about real stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. If, if, you're, uh, if you're doing a sermon and you're recording a sermon, but you want it to sound like you're in a church, you can add a bunch of roominess to it, and it'll sound like you recorded it in a church, even though you're in a sound booth. Okay. Okay. That's it. Thing, things like example. that. Yeah. Okay. So I, I personally don't use any. Um, I used to add just a little bit of high end, uh, you know, the the higher frequencies to my voice because I've got kind of a deep voice, and some people's audio doesn't like that too much. But I've since moved on from that, and I just record my voice the way it is. Oh, that's interesting. I've I've got so. a for a woman, I've got a pretty low voice, but I definitely boost the bass because I think it gives a good radio sound when you do that. But you've got the natural, <laughs> you've got the natural instrument there. <laughs> yeah, if I could just use it better. Um, and then uh, some things that you can do with the mixer, you can you can route different lines to different outputs, and we can get into a little bit more of that later. And typically. A mixer can be used independent of a computer. It's a standalone ah. uh, equipment that you can use. If you even if you don't have a computer, you can use it to route audio to different places and possibly record, depending on the model. So the mix mixers themselves can have recorders inside them. 
Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, that and, that that explains something then, because I was going to uh, challenge something I saw in your notes. I have the uh, Zoom H6, and it can take mm-hmm. two mic inputs, and I can record. Am I using a mixer? Yeah. So there's a matter of function. The H6 is an audio recorder that has mixing capabilities. Its primary purpose is to record. That's what it's really, really good at. I I have one myself. They're amazing at that. And it can output that audio through USB or through a headphone port. But it's and you can you can adjust the levels and everything else. Like it has mixing functions in it, but its primary purpose is to record the sound that you're putting into it, so that it can be mixed later. Okay, so there's a good distinction. So a recorder that has some minor mixing capabilities, what you're talking about is primarily mixers, which could also do some recording. Right, right. Okay. And there, there's another factor. There is you'll also, also often see audio interface which is a way of bringing an analog sound, whether that's a microphone or a, an auxiliary jack from your iPod or whatever else, bringing that into your computer. It, it, it'll interface in between the analog world and the digital world. And some of those have some mixing capabilities. And most mixers will have audio interface capabilities, but they're still distinct and separate functions. Okay. Okay. So uh, I like the way you describe that because it's real easy for most audio people to just go, well, it's got an XLR interface. Well, wait a minute. What is XLR? XLR is <laughs> is a circular connector with three pins and that's an analog yes. signal that's coming in. So what we hear with our ears in the real world, that's analog, yes. right? But we need to get it converted to digital in the computer and you need something to do that analog to digital conversion. And you can do that right. in an interface or you can do that in a mixer that has an inter- that is also an interface. Is that right? Right. And and again that Zoom H6 has that that uh audio interface quality to it to where it can take the the analog sound from the microphones from the XLR microphones and convert that to a digital signal that you can then use on your computer. Okay. So but but its primary purpose again is as a recorder. Right. So Okay. Yeah, it, it's a careful but di- but distinct component of it. I got you. I got you. Okay. That, that actually helps me a lot. Um, to the people listening, you might hear people say ADD converter, or you might actually hear uh, some people say DAC, right? That's a digital mm-hmm. audio converter. Is that right? Yep. So that's converting that's this exactly analog right. uh, signal to digital. So ADD converter yes. or DAC. Um, yes. Does it... And, and, and typically your computer itself is a digital to analog converter just by your speaker port on your computer. Oh, so. so there's digital sound inside or coming being converted to analog so that we can hear it because we can only hear yes. the analog sound. Right, because if we were trying to hear digital sound, it would just sound like fuzz. Oh, <laughs> it would just be ones and zeros blasting to the air. <laughs> I could totally decode that. Okay, okay. So, so all right. Now, d- taking it up a notch. So now we've got this box. We got this metal plastic metal box, and it's got these uh, analog microphone inputs. We plug in a couple of those. Mm-hmm. You sent me pictures of four different mixers, three essentially three different mixers, and uh, with a couple of subtleties. And there's, I would say, at least 128 dials and sliders and and rotating knobs. There's gain and comp and rec play and vertical sliders. And I mean, my eyes bled as soon as you sent me those pictures. <laughs> I remembered what I felt like looking at my mixer. I have no idea what these things do. 
Yes. So I sent you three different models, the three models that I have personally owned, the pictures that I sent you. And um, the the first one I sent you was the Yamaha MG10XU. And that's the most basic of the three. And okay, so there are four they go from uh, from very inputs. basic models like that There's one. They just basically have each one of the those. inputs, and they can output to USB. But it, you know, not there's not a lot of lot of flash to that one. Yeah, um, but there's there's three green rotating dials, uh, two white ones, and a red one. There's pan, FX, low, mid, high. Comp, exactly, exactly. Gain. So what is all that? <laughs> so much stuff. <laughs> So as we go down, I'm, I'm going to take you, if you find the number one at the very top, and for anybody listening, if you just pull up a picture of the MG10XU, which I'll have you'll in be able the to show follow notes. along. Right. Um, go down from, from the number one at the upper left-hand corner, you've got the XLR input, which is actually a combination input because XLR, as you said, is the microphone. If you've seen the back of a microphone, you know what an XLR looks like. It's three little pins and it just plugs right in. This one can also take in a larger headphone port connector yeah look a big yeah. one of those big thing uh, pins what yep. are they they're not a quarter inch are they maybe they I are i think it is i think it is quarter inch yeah okay so that's um, some other kind of audio input like a guitar amp or something yes exactly guitar okay. some microphones will use that if you wanted to take your your ipod and pump that in there because you want to play ipod while you're recording or whatever else okay that can it can you can get an adapter to put that in there so that's what that is that's that big circle at the top I that's all i have a bag is. of those that I saved from when I had my mixer. I have many of them. I, They're pretty. They're gold. I might let my yeah. grandson play with them. <laughs> and there's more complications of that too, because if you're using one of these inputs, you need a mono uh, connector, and a stereo one may or may not give you the sound that you're looking for. And it's it, it, it does add a little complication, but if you try to keep it simple and keep everything mono, then you're fine. Okay. As in so, single channel, not stereo. So we're in the, we've got this, uh, we've got four, this this one takes four mic inputs. So we're going down number one. So we've got the, yes. we've got the input there. Uh, but then there's stuff, it says pad 226 dB HPF 80 hertz, two buttons. Yes. So Why? your pad, the pad button is going to be, is going to cut off a little bit of the gain or add a little bit of gain, but typically what that's for is for certain equipment, such as a guitar, you're getting a direct line input with a very heavy signal. So you don't want that going straight into the mixer. You want to let it it's know, hey, much. this is a, I'm sorry? It's just too much? Too much. Yeah. Okay. You'll just, over, you'll just clip almost immediately. You'll, you'll, you'll hit the max peak of level that the mixer can handle, that any interface can handle very quickly. So you pad that down a little bit so that there's a little extra room at the top for the guitar to get its full signal in there. Wow, you're and good at explaining for... stuff. I totally understand that. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next one over is the high-pass filter, 80 hertz. And what that does is any, any sounds below 80 hertz are typically not associated with your voice. People's voices are at a higher frequency than that, especially the real meat of it sits much higher, you know, thousands of, of hertz. Below 80 hertz is typically where you get line noise, a little bit of static on the line, or you get like a low rumble just from outside noises, things like that. Okay. You can hit that high pass filter and it'll cut everything below 80 hertz oh. just out of the signal. Oh, that would it. also get rid of, sometimes you get a 60 hertz hum from a, a poorly grounded... Uh, yes. something, even a, a light bulb, I think, can do it. Maybe I'm not right yes. about that, but certain things get this 60 hertz hum 
that you can hear, yep. but your voice doesn't come into that. Okay, well that's interesting. Yeah, and, and and that's ex- and you typically won't even hear that in the mixer itself. You would hear that later on when you're playing with the amplification and trying to get your sounds to balance out in uh, in, in you know audition or audacity or something like that. And then you'll hear that sound, and you'll be like, ah, but you can go ahead and cut that out by hitting that little high-pass filter. So it never gets into the recording in the first place. Right, exactly. Because the cleaner the recording, the better the output. Yeah, and that is one of the things that's uh, probably the the biggest lesson I learned was make your sound as clean as you can up front. People are always saying... So I uh, I made this recording while a garbage truck or you know somebody was was uh, grinding a tree across the street. Help me get this sound out of it. It's like it's called start it again. You know, yeah, um, <laughs> and and when you talk about about clipping for the people listening who are into photography, the way I like to explain it, if you understand photography at all, is if you take mm-hmm. a picture and you blow out like the whites or the reds. Reds are really hard to take. Like you take a picture of a red rose and a bunch of it will just look flat. It won't, there'll be not enough information to recover that to make a good photo. And if, you know, if it's pure white or pure black or pure red, you know, it's gone. There's nothing you can do with it. Clipping in audio is the same kind of thing. Once you've clipped your audio, you've just, there's nothing you can do about that. That information simply is not there. It can't be created. So you can't get that back. Is that, yeah. is that and you can, there's some creative solutions to, you can't really recover the sound, but you can minimize the impact, the the audible impact of the clipping, oh, but okay. you can't recover the sound. You, you're not going to, You can make it's it, never going to sound the way it was. You can make it less like a knife blade in your ear. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's, yeah, yes, that's exactly right. Now we talked okay, about so, gain a minute ago, but now we've got another mm-hmm. gain knob. And before we go any further, I, I, I never really know when to say gain and when to say volume. Gain is okay. gain is what? So gain is a signal level uh, measurement of how 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 much it's picking up, how much the microphone is picking up, how much the input is picking up, how much sound, how far is it reaching out, how hard is it listening? Hmm. Whereas volume is how hard is it playing? Oh, so oh. gain. So gain will, will your microphone has gain. You you want your microphone at a good gain to where you can hear me right now, but if I step away, it gets really quiet. And you can adjust how much the microphone is listening by adjusting the gain. That's the easiest way for me to explain it. Okay, so one is is input and one is output, essentially. Uh, essentially, like yes. There's some really listening. technical stuff we could get into about. I mean, nope, I couldn't really get into it, but <laughs> yeah, no, it's. But that's the easiest way. Is gain is what's coming in, volume is what's going out. So if you turn up the gain knob that we've just gotten down to in, in this in this mixer, uh, if we turn up the gain, you're saying I want you to listen harder, listen yes. bigger to this sound on this track. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. And uh, okay. and, and why that's different is because if you have a sound in the computer, you have a sound on your iPod or whatever else. As you increase the volume, you're going to hear anything that was recorded. Whereas on the gain, if you turn up the gain, you're going to record more. Okay. Okay. Right, right. That makes sense. So. That was a pretty easy explanation. I should have asked you a long time ago. I've asked a lot of people and nobody's (laughs) given me such a clean description. All right. So now Uh, we come down one more. We've got a dial. It says comp and it goes from zero to 10. Yes. This is your compression knob. And this isn't... This is on most mixers, but not all mixers. And some of them will have it labeled much differently. This is the most, this is the simplest compressor ever. Compression is a signal. It's a way of balancing your signal. The higher you turn your compression up, the more 
gain it's automatically going to give to lower sounds and the less gain it's going to give to higher sounds. Higher so, volume sounds or higher frequency sounds? Higher volume sounds. Okay, so it's going to listen harder at the at the lower volumes. Yes. And not listen as much at the higher volumes. Yes. Okay. So if you turn so, that up to 10, everything would be essentially like the same volume as it was recorded? Like there'd be no high and low volumes? There wouldn't be, but there'd also be no dynamics in your voice because just at, while you're talking, you increase volumes and decrease volumes in order to accentuate your words. Right, right. So, I mean, it would sound horror, stupid. Oh, it would. It sounds gross. Yeah, and and if you've been listening for a while and you can and you know what compression is and what it does, you can actually hear it when it's when people are over compressing in their audio, and it it once you hear it, you cannot unhear it. It's well, actually, it's you're very using a mixer right now, and your microphone is an analog XLR mic, and it's going into mm -hmm. a mixer, right? So if you if you turn that compression knob up to ten while you're talking to us, will we be able to hear what it sounds like? Well, you tell me, because right now I can be really, really happy about what's going on, or I can kind of just be quiet in my own thoughts. But to you, you can't tell. It's just all the same to you. Oh, it is. It is. It sounds exact. <laughs> it's got no no differences to any of those. Okay, so right. it, it, try to imitate the same thing with compression set uh, to some other number and tell me what number you're going to put it to. Do you, maybe you keep it on zero, or maybe there's some medium kind of number you keep it at? Well, here's zero. And I usually keep it a little bit higher than this because I do like to, I do get kind of quiet sometimes and you can't hear what I'm saying. Okay. And sometimes I'm really happy and it, it, it kind of balances those out and keeps them from, from dropping so low that the mixer can't sense the signal or so high that it's going to peak, like we said before, and you're going to lose information. Okay. So you normally keep that at, uh, at what kind of number on a scale of zero to 10? Usually around a three. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's it's a it's a light touch um because again, I want it to sound good. I don't want to it increases my viability of my voice. So if I back down a little bit too far, it brings it up just enough to be able to hear it. And if I get really loud, it won't stop it from clipping and losing the data, but it definitely minimizes that that happening. So nice. I like it about 3, but that's for my voice and how I talk and everybody's going to be a little bit different. Okay. I can't say that it sounded awful or anything. It wasn't, to me, it wasn't uh, what couldn't be unheard, but I was watching uh, Anthony on video and I could see that he was, you know, speaking quietly and then he was speaking really loudly and they weren't, it sounded exactly the same. But it, I mean, it didn't sound yeah. terrible. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, and really, a lot of people may not even hear it, but if you're one of those people that, that enjoys the intonation of voices and it's not just the frequency, but the volume that you hear that voice at that gives you that that emotional response to what they're saying, you're going to hear when people are overcompressed really quickly. And music is very simple to tell if they're overcompressed because you don't get the the pops from the snares. They sound instead of sounding pop, they they're like, Phew. okay. And it's like, well, I'm not getting. I can tell I'm not getting the full dynamic range of these instruments. Actually, that would so, probably be a great example. Would be to take like some orchestral piece and run it through uh, through with high compression, and it would sound completely wrong. Oh, yes, yes. The subtle notes that you hear when you hear the little flute going off in the background, and it's just a, a little whisper, but you can notice. 
you you compress that too much and it'll start sounding just as loud as all the other instruments you know the gong that comes in bong and it's you know it yeah it, it messes it all up so reminds me of when i was in high school marching band and uh the the band director had a slight problem when a third of the people in the band played flute and so he decided <laughs> to lean in and he put us in the front you have never heard anything worse in the world than 23 <laughs> flutes. And and so four of us played piccolo, and there's never been two piccolos in tune with each other in the history of time. So right. four high school piccolo players followed by like 19 flutes and no brass sound at all. It was horrible. <laughs> we didn't win anything that year, in case you're wondering. <laughs> you're just begging people to switch over to the trombone right oh yeah yeah well uh, a few people went to sax but uh you know because you can go to alto sax is the same fingering but that was about it all right but this yeah, is I... Nell's uh high school history class <laughs> all right so now we've got three green dials we're, we're almost halfway down for in case anybody's yes. keeping track but not a number of dials but in <laughs> distance I, I do want to mention that all of these dials once you set them they're pretty much set and forget okay all right, unless you dust. So, yeah, until we get down to the very last knob, that's the one you're going to play with the most. That's why it's the biggest knob, and that's why it's at the bottom where it's easy to reach. But most of these are going to be set and forget. You're going to find that, that sound that you want to come out of it, and you're just going to leave it there. Okay. If you're like me, you'll take a picture with your iPhone, <laughs> and that way you can refer back to it if the, if the kids come in and start messing with knobs. Yeah, exactly. So. I was just thinking about Forbes coming to visit and going, whee! turning all the dials. <laughs> uh, I did exactly. just that. I took a picture of my mixer after uh, Victor had it set up and I, th I think it's still on my on my website somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go back and see if I can understand my own mixer settings after this, after you're done. because I'm, <laughs> I'm getting a lot out of this. I just figured it would be comedy as you explained it, but you're good at this. Uh, okay, so well. now we've got, you should, you should form a company and consult on this. Uh, all right. Oh, uh, that's that's an idea. Maybe maybe I should do that. <laughs> so you've got uh, three green dials here, and it says uh, high, mid, and low, and they go yes. from minus fifteen to plus fifteen. But then there's a ten kilohertz off at a diagonal for some reason. Yes. <laughs> minus a plus fifteen. What's and what's the kilohertz? Oh oh, it's ten kilohertz on the high, two and a half kilohertz on the mid, and a hundred hertz on the low. Yes. What is all that? So your voice is a, is a spectrum of sound. And as we said before, with the high pass cutoff, under 80 hertz isn't sound that you typically want to hear on a recording regardless. And then as you get higher the in, in hertz, your higher frequencies, you have a higher frequency voice than I do, mm -hmm. which isn't just a single frequency. It's a range of frequencies and you hit some of them harder than others. But in your voice, you have this range and it creates almost a, a a hill. If you were looking at all the frequencies on a line, your voice would be a hill, and your hill would be further to the high side than mine would. Okay. My hill would be much lower. Okay. This is a way, these three knobs, uh, and, and this is not typical. Typically, you will have either many more knobs than this or just one. But this allows you to take those three bands, which aren't exactly 10K hertz, not exactly 2,500 hertz, not exactly 100 hertz, but it's that area, and you can make it either stronger or, or, or weaker, depending on how you want the sound to sound. So like before, I was saying before, I would take out a little bit of bass from my voice, a little bit of fr low frequency, and bring that down towards the negative 15 just a little bit and add just a touch of high frequency to bring my voice more into a middle range hmm. when I was okay. recording my podcast. 
So uh, In, just just to be more representative of other mixers too, if I look at the Zoom L12 uh, that you outlined here, there there aren't any dials that do that. There's a slider. Is that right? Does that slider do the same thing? No. Oh, so, okay. So there's so no on the, dials on, on the, that one. Yes, on the Zoom L12, if you look off towards the the right, you see master out and there's a blue box in there just underneath that that blue box is all the effects so that affects all the channels at the same time then it i mean all no the it affects mics. it affects whichever channel you choose the the, oh. the l12 is much more complicated okay which is why we're starting with the mg10 okay, i should stop looking over there okay i see what you're, stop reading not, ahead allison okay all right i'll try to be good okay all right so that's that's essentially like an incoming equalizer would you call it yes. that? Yes, that, that's exactly what it is. So with an equalizer, normally if we've played with one, it may be on a um, on a stereo or something like that. You could say change what the output sound looked like. This is the mm -hmm. input sound as... Yes. Uh, okay. All right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Exactly. So like that, the game was... That's a better way of putting to it. To the volume. Okay. All right. Good. You can... And then below that, we have effects. Okay. Now, effects knob is the one that I was telling you about is kind of special because you could add, you know, add boominess or roominess to your voice. You can make it sound like an old record being played, whatever else. It depends on the on the actual mixer and what which ones you have programmed in. Oh, this you is not something I. Yes. Oh, wow. Because this just says you zero to ten. Yes. Well, that's the level. That's how much of that signal, how much of that boominess you want to add into that that channel. Okay. Okay. So I'm so, I'm I'm cheating and looking ahead. I see numbers one to twenty four on a little like a little diagram that says which is a reverberation hall one to things like yes. is that the effects over the karaoke? Yes. All right. Okay. So on on this one, you the SPX panel, that little panel you were just looking at, mm -hmm. you're gonna choose you can the program button would actually choose which of those effects you wanted. You would press the button to activate it. And then you would tell it how much of that signal to send out. Okay. And then on the FX knob, you could tell it how much of that signal you want to come into that particular channel. Okay. All right. So I wouldn't be touching that button. All right. Moving no. <laughs> no. Yeah. M most people would not. Okay. So there's a left-right pan uh, dial. What's Yes. That's, that is that's exactly right what here? it sounds. It, yep. It allows you to send your signal to the left or to the right. And you may want to do that if you want to, if you're trying to create a special effect, if you want a more conversational uh, recording, you and your guest could be on different sides or have at least a, a different side lean. Like you could be kind of on the left and I could kind of be on the right. And it does create more of an environment. However, some people only listen on mono channels and some people only listen with one speaker or the other, one headphone or the other. And if you do that, then those people that only listen with one headphone aren't going to hear anything on the on one side or the other. So you're kind of, okay. you're limiting your audience. You're giving your audience another chance to turn your podcast off because it's difficult to hear. Well, so uh, most people will not separate left and right. Just uh, for information, Apple has a setting in the... Um, in the hearing section on the uh, on the uh, for iPod or AirPods yep. and earpods, then basically headphones that allows you to say duplicate whatever's in one ear. If I'm going to use mono headphones, or like I'm going to yes. use one headphone, it's in the yeah the accessibility section, and you can actually send it to where all audio is mono going out, which is what I have my iPad on, so that when I have my signal going into my mixer to play sound effects, it comes in as a mono signal, so I don't have to worry about the left right uh, okay. aspect of okay. it. Okay. 
Recently, Dave Hamilton started separating, like you say, leaning a little bit. Like, I think he's a little bit to my left ear and, and Dave, uh, uh, John is a little bit to my right ear on the Mac mm-hmm. And I found it incredibly disconcerting when he did it. I thought he made a mistake. And I wrote to him and he said, he said, I have gotten overwhelmingly happy people thinking this is the coolest thing ever. And it drove me nuts. At first. I think he centered it up a little bit more because for a while, John yeah. was like closer to my ear and Dave was just to the left of my nose, so they weren't in balance, and it was driving me crazy. Um, I, I don't, I wouldn't do it. I don't know. No. I, I, the, the, this could be a really effective if you have multiple people in a room and you have a very specific audience that you know is going to listen in headphones. Okay. So yeah, actually, if you a lot have of people like listen in the car. Right. Even listening in the car, but although anytime you're listening in the car, if you start drowning one side out, you start getting more road road noise while that person's talking, so it becomes harder. So mono is always best if it's okay. in a car. But if you if you're making a presentation for somebody and you know they're gonna be listening in headphones, you could pan them, pan different people at different points and give that sense of spatial difference between the voices. Like th- there's a lot of effects that you can do just with panning to make things more interesting, but it is a, the more you pan, the more you're limiting your audience's ability to listen. Right. So. Okay. And, and as we said up front, the single hardest thing is none, nothing we're talking about is the hard part. Gaining an audience and keeping an audience is harder than anything. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it, it really is. Okay. And then uh, finally we get a, a dial at the bottom that says level and it's zero to 10 and it's got a little peak red button there. What's that? Well, the peak, the red light is the one where anytime the, the mixer thinks that it's losing signal, that you're going too high in volume, it's going to light that little red light and let you know, hey, it's too loud. Either bring the gain down, bring the compression up, or something to that effect. Like You have to be able to treat that in a way. It's going to let you know. That's what that little peak light oh, is for. Oh, okay. So, so I'm, I'm on my mic, and I'm screaming into it. And you see this red light light up on channel one because Allison's yelling. Um, you know how she is. So you can turn the gain down so that the mixer doesn't listen as hard to me, or you could increase the compression, which would, uh, decrease my high volume sound. Yes. Either one. Yes. And typically what I would do in in that situation, I was bring your gain down just a little bit and then bring your compression up just a little bit. Because by bringing your gain down, I'm going to start losing your low end and it's, for my ear, it's better to bring up the low end with compression than it is to bring down the high end with compression. But it, you could bring up the low end and I could still be peaking, right? With compression? Yes. That's why I would bring the gain down just a little bit so you weren't peaking anymore and okay. then bring the compression up just to oh, compensate so, oh, I that see low end. Oh, okay. Okay. I like yeah. it. Now, by the way, I, we haven't been talking much about audio hijack, but I could be doing that in audio hijack if I hear the other person peaking. Yes, all all of these functions can be done in Audio Hijack. Okay, okay. Every single one of, it, it it adds complexity to it. Like your little your little audio map that you have in Audio Hijack mm-hmm. would start having a lot of little little stops and little bubbles along the way, but all of it could be done. Yeah, but I like adding those. It makes me feel accomplished <laughs> if I can add more of them. I could be doing it to you right now. I have an AU Dynamics processor. Is that is that that's a compressor and a limiter, right? Yes. And as we've talked about what compression is, what's a limiter? A a limiter is, so if you try to explain this easiest way possible, 
in the previous scenario, you were peaking, so I brought your gain down a little bit and brought your compression up a little bit to compensate. Mm -hmm. If I had a limiter on this line, I could just bring your limiter down a little bit and your sound wouldn't be allowed to go past a certain level. Okay, so then you wouldn't have to bring uh, the I wouldn't have to do the other adjustments, up. right. Okay, okay. Yeah, and what it would do is typically a li limiter will, instead of losing the signal in entirely, it will still listen and it'll just compress it as necessary in order to keep it within the bounds that you have set forth. Okay. Okay, I always throw on a compressor and I figure I can yell as much as I want and it's all fine. Ah! See, it didn't, right. didn't peak, right? <laughs> yes, uh, and if, you, if you're good with the compression, you can do that. If you don't want to use compression, a limiter is another way to do it. You can also add a limiter just in case the compression doesn't kick in hard enough at the time that you need it. Okay. So you can use it as a just-in-case additive to it. Okay. In Audio Hijack, I only know how to do the uh, the AU Dynamics processor does both. It's got the mm -hmm. limiter and the compression compressor all in one little brick. Yes. Okay. All right. Cool. Well, we've actually finished one entire vertical uh, line, so we know everything that goes onto one mic input, and there's three more. Uh, now, oh, this is the oh, I hate this subject. Let's see if you can fix this one for me. You've, you've answered a lot of my questions. For some okay. reason, uh, only two of your mic inputs have compressors on them. The other two mic yes. inputs on this, again, we're still on the Yamaha MG10XU, if you're following along. There's a button that says Phantom plus 48 volts, and it's a red button that says CH14 mic. This is going to be yes. that Phantom power thing. I have yes. no idea what people mean when they talk about this. I've heard it for years. I don't know what it means. <laughs> This button actually affects channels one through four, although only channel one and two have the compressor on it. You can get mixers with compression on all of the channels. This one, this particular model does not. Because they had to have that phantom power button shoved somewhere, so that's where they put right. it. Okay. So <laughs> what is, you are not wrong. What is phantom power? Okay, fan, so you have your, your XLR cable, and it has three lines going to it. There's three pins. The three pins. The circle, right? So you have three wires going in. One of them is a common, a ground line that is just for electrical continuity. Okay. The other two are signal lines that will, that will take a signal and send it opposite each other down the, the, the track or down, down, the, uh, down the, the, wire. the cable. Okay. Yeah. All right. And what happens is <clears throat> when you get to the end, those signals will either flatten out and you'll have a balanced signal it'll understand, hey, these are good, or they won't balance out, and one of them will be slightly off because you got some interference from running the cable behind a monitor or a speaker or something like that. And the mixer can then take that and drop that extra signal part and make it a balanced signal. So it's basically making sure your signal is good in two ways. The 48 volts will actually take those two signal lines and add voltage to them so that you have voltage on the line 48 volts on the line to power anything downstream of the cable. For instance, in my particular circumstance, I have, and a lot of compressor compression or compressor microphones need power. They have electronics in here. It's not just sending a signal and, and transferring wave bounces into electrical signals it, you know, with magnets or whatever. It gets more complex than that. I have a dynamic mic, but I have on the back of it this little... Fet head 
amplifier. Okay. Uh, he's pointing at it for me. It's just, it's uh, basically at the end of his mic is a, another cylinder that then has his XLR uh, cable plugged into it. So it's a Fethead. We're, yes. we're getting a bonus prize here to learn about <laughs> Fetheads. I've heard of Fetheads, and my brother called me a Fathead all the time, but I don't know what this is. Fethead, Fathead, not the same. Okay. So <laughs> the Fethead is one brand of inline amplifier. And what it does is it takes the signal from my microphone, amplifies it, gives it about 26 dB of gain at the source and then sends it down the line. But it needs power to do that. And that 48 volts phantom power powers that amplifier in order to do that. Okay. And you so were saying earlier that you want to you want to have the best signal possible as close to the source as possible. And that's why I have this here instead of using a, a lot of uh, gain on my line because it can amplify the signal here and I've got cleaner signal because it's coming directly from the microphone and then goes through the wire where it can have interference. Oh, now that's interesting. Okay. So um, if I, I use uh, I use a big girl microphone that has a uh, has an XLR cable on it and I go into a USB interface, a sure mm -hmm. USB interface. So I'm not using a mixer. Um, it just plugs into, let's see, does it have power? No, I don't think it has power unless it's getting power from over USB. So I don't think I have phantom powers. Would that be your guess as well? That would be my guess. And okay. you, I believe, are you using a Heil? Yeah, it's a Heil PR40. Okay, so I don't think the Heil PR40 requires phantom power. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. Okay, but I so could be some wrong. microphones do and some don't. But now I understand right. why you might want it, like you say, to give it, it with that uh, amplifier up front. Right. So now what happens is... Now I want a Fethead. <laughs> I need that, don't I? I, I had I had to order mine from from England because uh, on B and H, so it it took forever to get here, but it's really nice. And and again, you plug it in, you make sure you got phantom power, and then you just let it go. Now the point of that is, my microphone is going to come in. It's going to send the signal down the the line into the mixer, and I could adjust the gain at the mixer. But it's going to not only adjust the gain from the microphone, it's also going to adjust the gain for all the interference signals that I may receive the entire way from my microphone all the way to my mixer. Okay, that doesn't sound it, good. That's that's not that's not good at all. But if with this inline amplifier, I'm taking the signal from my microphone, amplifying that signal and increasing the gain here so that by the time it gets to my mixer, any interference that adds that, that is added along the way is already drowned out by the oh. fact that I've got my gain up oh, here. Oh, right, 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 right. So I don't need as much gain the on the mixer. Okay. Therefore, I'm not gaining all that interference in addition to it. Okay. And this is actually a solution that I had because the way that my cable is routing, my mixer is on my right side, my microphone hangs from my left, the cable goes behind all of my electronics on the way to the mixer, and I was getting just absurd amounts of noise that I couldn't get rid of. Doing this allows me to turn that gain down so low that I can't hear all that extra hiss and wow. pops and whatever else that are coming through from the interference, but I'm still hearing my microphone nice and loud. Okay, so maybe I could have done that instead of throwing the mixer away. <laughs> Unless it didn't have phantom power. I'll have to go look at my picture and see whether mine had, had phantom power way back then. Yeah. Okay, so so we're we're getting there. I I recognize next we've got some headphone jacks. I see left and right headphone jacks. Is that what I see? The yellow and or sorry, white and red. Uh, yeah, the RCA outputs or inputs. Yes. 
Oh, inputs. So, oh, those yeah, are not yes, headphones. Those are inputs. Right. All of these channels are all inputs. Okay. So what kind of stuff do you input on RCA jacks? There's a really easy way to get your iPod in there. Or if you have any other sounds that you want to play, you want to have sounds from a different computer come in. It's really simple. And pretty much everybody has RCA to, to a headphone jack or something like that lying around in a box somewhere in their closet. Okay. So this is just another another form of of input. And just above that, you can see the quarter-inch inputs that we were talking about before. Right. They're just those, though. They're not XLR. Oh, They're just I see. The... Okay, so what he talked about before was the XLR that had the three pins. Uh, so the connector into the into the mixer can take those three pins, or it can take that quarter-inch uh, RCA jack. Right. Uh, and then now we've got more channels. So this is an H, uh, 10 channel mixer? Yeah, 10 It is. It 10 is channels. a 10-channel mixer. I don't have that many friends, so I don't need to know how any of that stuff works. <laughs> right. And you, you can actually get things like this with just a four-channel mixer, which is kind of your... Anything below that is really just an audio interface because you're not mixing much. Okay. But most of them will be four channel or higher. Of course, you can get all the way up to 128 channel, but we don't need to talk about that. No, yet. we sure don't. <laughs> I, I want to talk about those those one channel ones. Um, okay, so I, we've we've gone into the weeds pretty deep here, but I want to back up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. One of the things you mentioned in your notes was that uh, one of the advantages of using a mixer is to take the workload away from your computer. Can you talk about yes. that? So I'm I stream on Twitch, I stream video, I record, I produce, I do a lot of things on my computer. Sometimes I'm playing video games that are really taxing on my computer. And anything that you do on the computer such as audio hijack will take processing power away from whatever else you're using. It may be a small amount, but it's still taking hardware resources, it's still taking CPU power, it's still eating up your RAM. Like it it requires it's stuff it's, it's from your computer. Math, right? right. It's it's yeah, your computer has to think about it in addition to whatever else you're thinking about. If you're running a lower end computer or if you're using very uh system taxing software, it can be useful to offload that processing power from your computer onto a mixer because then your computer is free. It's just receiving an audio input. It's not having to do all the compression and all the gating and all the anything else that you're doing with with you know the software that you normally are, it can just concentrate more on what you're actually trying to stream or what you're trying to do in the background. Okay, that that actually makes a lot of sense. So if uh, let's say you're, uh, it, it, we're talking about all these different inputs, these ten friends I don't have. Um, I don't even have anybody else in the room with me ninety nine percent of the time. So right. I, if I had a, a mixer, let's say you've got a mixer right now, you're using the mixer, uh, a mixer when nobody else is in the room with you. You're not playing any uh, audio effects. You're not, you don't have an iPod plugged in. You're not running any of that stuff. What, what mm-hmm. is the mixer doing? Is, is my voice coming into your mixer and you're mixing that together with the mixer? There's a lot of mixing words, but you know what I mean? <laughs> so the way I have mine set up is I have Skype set to output to the USB input on the mixer. So you have a so USB cable going from your computer into the mixer? Yes. As an input. What what kind of what kind of hole are it, you plugging into there on your well, mixer? No, it, it's actually just a USB interface on the back. Okay. So is So it, what what that does is it it allows me two of my channels on my mixer can go to different things. So I have say I have my typical use case for this would be I have you on one window 
and I have another guest or another person on another Skype window, another Skype instance. And each of you are being routed to do two different channels on my mixer so I can adjust your volumes differently. My mic is being routed into the mixer. And then with the mixer, I can do what's called a mix minus, which you can do also do in Audio Hijack, to where you can hear me and the other guest. The other guest can hear me and you, and I can hear both of you, but none of you are hearing yourself back. Right, right. I tried to explain that in last week's episode where I talked about uh, duplicate left, kill right, and duplicate right, kill left. And <laughs> But you, you threw a phrase in here that's interesting. You can run a second instance of Skype on the same computer? Yes. What? Yeah, depending on your operating system and which version of Skype you're running, it's really easy on Windows now because you have Skype for creators and Skype for desktop, which even though it's the same, essentially the same program, it runs separately in Windows. Oh. And each of those can have different inputs and different outputs and different cameras if you wanted to. Oh, wow. Okay, because the, so, the one thing I was explaining with, with my setup was everybody I'm talking to on Skype is on one channel and I'm on the other channel. So I can eat right. popcorn and cut that out, you know, d- during the after the recording. But if any one person you know, sneezes on everybody on that, uh, on the Skype call, all of their voices are affected by that. Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, so I that, that's what you could bring somebody it, up in Skype and somebody up in zoom or discord, right. Or Twitch. Right. You could have people in three or four different applications that way, but then you'd have to route them to be able to hear each other. Wouldn't you? Well, that would be yes. fun. Well, it, it's well with the mixer that I have now, I can have up to four mix minuses in addition to my track. Wow. And that's one of the reasons I upgraded to this one. So I can have two people on two different Skype instances. And of course, each of the Skype instances could have multiple people. So mm-hmm. say I was doing a conference call with with five, four different podcasts besides mine. I could have my have a drink friends in one window on one stream and I could hear all their audio and it would, it would be on one track. And then and your teetotalers um, on the second one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, and I could have... Uh, Two other pod, like I could have a, a Discord instance, and then I could have another chat, a Zoom instance going, and I could have all four of those coming into my mixer on separate channels, and then record all of them separately so that I could adjust them later on. So somehow it's separating. You've got one USB cable going from your computer into this mixer, but it's able to separate the, separate those out when they come in. Yes. Wow. And I record, I typically record in Audition and I'll have each individual channel as a separate track in Audition. So each of those, each of those tracks record separately and don't bleed into the others. Right, right. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. But there's a catch with that though, because you have two in, two out USB mixers and you have multi in, multi out USB mixers. And the 10, uh, 10X, MG10XU that I'm showing that you're we're looking at a picture of right now, it's a two in, two out. So it's going to receive a stereo signal in and output a stereo signal. So if you want to split the channels, you have to make sure everyone that, that you want to split on channel one is on the right side or left side and that everybody that's being split the other way is on the other channel. And that's okay. all you can do with it. Okay. Again, why you upgraded to a fancier one. Yes. That's literally why I upgraded. Wow. Okay. Okay. Do you do all this fancy stuff when you're recording? So you work with uh, with Tom Merritt and Sarah Lane. Are, are you doing that when you're helping them uh, record Daily Tech News Show? So what I'm doing with that is I'm recording locally the video through OBS. Okay. 
or or Streamlabs OBS, That's and then the I will be recording open broadcast system. Is that what that? Uh, yeah, open open broadcasting system, and then Streamlabs OBS is just a a fork off of that. Right. Uh, so I'll have that, and then I'll also be recording audition, which is everyone else on one track and me on another, so that if I forget and say something in the middle of the show, I can delete myself before I post. And then I'm also recording, as I'm recording right now, on my mixer, because my mixer, the Zoom L12, does have a way to record on the board to SD card. Oh, wow. Straight straight okay. to the board. So after, when we're done with this, I can flip a little switch in the back, access it as a, as a USB drive, pull those files off, and send you your 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 uh, double ender. So as as my father would say, you're going to change it from a gazenta to a gazauda? Yeah. When you, yeah. When you flip that switch? <laughs> my dad said a lot of exactly. stuff I didn't understand. Exactly. So I did want to ask one more question. Uh, we aren't going to go through all of the different mixers, but if we look at, uh, you've got a Behringer that's called the Zenix 1204UF, uh, and actually both the Behringers do this. You've got, they've got little vertical di- uh, sliders. And that's, yes. we didn't have any of those on the Yamaha we were looking at. What What are those, what are the sliders for? Typical sliders, and the ones that I showed you that you'll include in the show notes are, replacements of that level button, that little level knob at the bottom of the mixer. Oh, oh, okay. So instead of turning a knob, you can actually just slide it. And it gives you a little bit different of a feel, especially if you're trying to do multiples at the same time. You can, you can, you know, just put three fingers down and move all of them together. Okay. Or if you're trying to fade, fade people out as they're talking and you're trying to fade in the music, you can do that with, you know, with two hands. And that brings in the most important difference between audio hijack, and a physical mixer that I know of. And that is the tactile feel. Ah. If I want to adjust something, as long as I'm comfortable enough with my mixer, I can reach over and adjust it. I don't have to figure out which window I'm looking at, go into a menu with my mouse, clicking, 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 and people are hearing me click away as I'm trying to adjust. And I can only adjust one thing at a time because I've only got one mouse input. Right. right. On on a tactile mixer, I can adjust everything. It's practically silent and I can adjust multiple things at the same time without anybody knowing. Ah, okay, okay. So it's completely invisible to the audience other than the effect that it's doing. Like they're going to notice the volume change, but they're not going to notice the sound of me sliding my slider down or moving a knob. Right. Now I use a trackpad, so you never hear any clicking when I'm messing with right. mine. But uh, it, that that is an interesting difference. I have been talking on my show a lot about things that I like and dislike about driving a Tesla. And they have removed nearly every tactile piece of the interface. And I think that's mm-hmm. really kind of dumb when you're driving. <laughs> like if I want to turn the fan up, I have to look at a screen to do that. I can't raise the the speed of the fan or raise the temperature in the, in the cabin. I have right. to use a screen to do that. And I think that that's super dumb because I do that. I, I like going up, down, up, down, up, down by one degree. And it's it, they've added some <laughs> voice control. But like it'll only go up by three degrees or down by three degrees. Sometimes it'll do it by one if you tell it to, but it really likes three degrees. So uh, <laughs> I, I understand definitely the difference between having a tactile feedback uh, when you're comfortable with it, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and the other thing I wanted to mention is Audio Hijack is amazing. And if your computer is strong enough to handle it and do whatever else you're doing, say you're, you're just recording like we're doing right now, there's not a lot of demand on the computer. We're just recording audio. It's pretty simple. If you're starting to get into heavier things, or if you're using Windows, 
I have to recommend a mixer. Yeah, yeah. Be, because Audio Hijack is is Mac OS only, and the only equivalent that Windows has, the only genuine equivalent Windows has, is Voice Meter, either Banana or Potato. And I have found both of them. They're very similar. I think Potato is just the newer version of Banana, but <laughs> they're not... Audio Hijack is very intuitive. Once you understand the basics of the interface and you can see how the lines take you from one to another and you can mix and and pull apart and all that stuff. Like once you understand the module system in Audio Hijack, it's exceptionally simple. My five-year-old could come in here and figure out how to add effects. It's very simple. She may not know what, what the effects do, but she could add them. You go to voice meter and it gets really complicated really fast. And I don't think it's as feature rich and it's simply definitely not as user experience friendly as as audio hijack and that's your only alternative on windows and that's just shameful yeah it's uh i i said on last week's uh uh cast i said uh, i was at the all conf and they would give you a free drink ticket if you answered a a pop quiz question and the question that and you had to answer right away the question they asked is what single app would keep you from moving away from a mac and i said audio hijack because it's just that good (laughs) Uh, and, and I use it for all kinds of crazy things. And, and there's a lot of reasons why voice meter can't do everything the audio hijack does, or at least not as well. Um, a lot of it has to do with the way that windows handles drivers versus how Mac OS handles drivers and things like that. So your sound card and the different apps will all have their own instance of the driver and can be individually controlled on a Mac OS. Whereas windows, you get one driver and whatever you do that one driver, everything gets affected by it. So there, there's some some very base level things that would have to change in order to have audio hijack on the PC. Right, right. But on the PC, you can run multiple versions of Skype. So you know, you can do it on on Mac OS too. I can I can uh, oh, I can, can try to find the, the short link. Yes, oh. there's a command you have to put in the in yeah. I'll have to show you how. But yeah. Oh, I totally have to try to wreck everything. I I have discovered that that my goal appears to be trying to make things more complex every every six months or so when everything's working. <laughs> you know, I haven't had any catastrophic failures lately. Therefore, I should change things. Don't you think? It <laughs> it it is the uh, human spirit to push until it breaks. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, this has been absolutely delightful. I've learned so much. I mean, I, I was I was kind of figuring, oh, I know everything about this, but I didn't know almost everything you taught me about. And I think this was really, really cool. If uh, people want to get a hold of you, what would the what would be the best way? The best way to find me is on Twitter at Ethan Kane, E T H A N C A I N E. So this is why I always get confused when I try to remember your name. I say, okay, well they call him they call him Lemos. But then, no, but, they, they, they call me no, Amos. Amos. That's right. Because yeah. if, if it was Lemos, that would be your actual name. So Amos right. isn't your name, and your name isn't Ethan Kane. Right. So my name is Anthony Lemos. In ninth grade, a teacher, a substitute teacher, when he needed a volunteer to go get the principal. And I volunteered because that, that was me in ninth grade. And as I was leaving the room, he asked what my name was so he could write it down in his little log. And I said, Anthony Robin Lemos. And he asked the class, like, what was that kid's name? Amos? <laughs> so when I came back to class, uh, the, the big bully in class and my best friend in class, individual people, started calling me Amos, and it just stuck from that point on. So that's been my nickname since ninth grade is Amos because of the substitute teacher that, that couldn't hear how fast I was speaking. <laughs> Which is obviously explains why your Twitter name is Ethan Kane. 
Well, so Ethan Kane came about. I needed a pseudonym in high school because I wrote a lot of poetry that was not uh, establishment friendly. Okay. So I needed a pseudonym, and the name Ethan Kane actually came from my D and D characters, and one character in particular. Yeah, one character in particular for Vampire the Masquerade was named Ethan Kane (laughs) Constante, and that name just became my pseudonym. So when it came time to sign up for Gmail and Twitter and all those things, I was just using Ethan Kane because it was just kind of like a this is my communication nickname. All right. Well, that that does explain a lot. Uh, and is, is through Twitter, would that be how, they, if they wanted to contact you about Audio Aperture Media, that would be the same way? Or is there a website or anything? There is a website. It's not fully functional yet because I've been so drowned in work. <laughs> hey, that's not the worst yeah. problem. It, it, it's, it's a great problem to have. So, but you can, you can find me on Twitter if, at Ethan Kane. If you need help with, with podcasting, if you want to do it for free, if you want to do it for cheap, if you want to do it for, for, you know, with the big boys, with the big pants. Um, I can get you into all those different things. I can show you the way. You do not have to hire me to help you out with starting a podcast. That I will do for free. Um, I just, I really enjoy, I, I think, and Jenny Josephson really instilled this in me when I was interning with her. Podcasting is a medium for everyone. And we need more diversity in podcasting. We need more women in podcasting. We need more minorities in podcasting. Podcasting should not be just rich white dudes with, you know, some extra time on their hands. Like we need, like you've been doing this, these podcasts with uh, Podfeet for how long? It, uh, it's 15 years next month. And that's just amazing. We need more of that. We need, we need people that are, that are outside the norm, sharing their voices, their experiences. And fresh voices and, too. Not just old farts like me, but fresh voices, I think. We, like yeah, we, yeah. we need all types. The only, the only ones we don't need are middle-aged white dudes. That, that's, <laughs> we've got plenty of those. If, you know, if, if you're a middle-aged white dude and you've got some genuine experiences that you want to share, reach out to me. If you're not and you have any experience you want to share, reach out to me and we'll get you started. We'll figure out how to do it for the minimal cost just to get your feet wet and then we can expand from there. Oh, that's very cool. Well, I this was 10 times more fun than I thought it was going to be, and I thought it was going to be a blast. This I really appreciate you coming on. This was great. Anytime, Allison. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. Did you notice there weren't any ads in the show? That's because this show is not ad-supported. It's supported by you. If you learned something, or maybe you were just entertained, consider contributing to the Podfeet podcast. You can do that by going over to podfeet.com and look for the big red button that says support the show. When you click that button, you're going to find different ways to contribute. If you like to do a one-time donation, you can click the PayPal button. If you want to make a recurring contribution, click the weekly Patreon button. Or another way to contribute is to record a listener contribution. It's a great way to help the No Ways learn from you. If you want to contact me for any reason, you can email me at allison at podfeet.com and you can follow me on Twitter at podfeet. Maybe you want to talk to other no castaways. There's two great places to do that. You can do that in our Slack group at podfeet.com slash Slack or you can join our Facebook group at podfeet.com slash Facebook. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.